I'd like to share with you a message today that's um, humility is flexibility. Humility is flexibility. Uh, before we get into it, though, I'd like to uh, make sure that we're on the same wavelength about humility in general. So I have a few quotes or brief reports from people that I'd like to share with you. And then after each one, I will say pride or humility. And if you think that quote or that report characterizes pride, then you will yell out, notice the word yell, uh, pride or humility, whichever one you think that represents. Everybody with me? Okay, so we'll just do a few of these to make sure we're on the same wavelength, all right? So um, I just read that uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones, uh, actress who gained fame in the 1988 movie Zorro, she was not Zorro, um, that's, I don't know, girlfriend, wife, I can't remember, it was that long ago, but she recently said, I am sick of being humble. Pride or humility? Pride. Okay. That was the easiest one. <laughs> Very good. We're tracking. Uh, secondly, a few weeks ago, a woman made the national news. She went into a restaurant. She sat down at the table. She ordered a pizza. The pizza did not arrive within the time frame she anticipated, so she called the police. Pride or humility? Okay, good. You're two for two. Um, number three, I like this one a lot. Only 1% of the population is genius level, but dating website OkCupid reports that 40% of their male applicants register as genius. <laughs> Pride or humility? <laughs> okay, and th this one's very painful for the person reporting it. Con <laughs> I'm done, I think. <laughs> you guys lead and I'll just, I'll see if I can respond to your questions. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to go through it now. Um, I guess you know this guy. Uh, Kanye West, rapper and husband to Kim Kardashian, said, this is hard to listen to. My greatest pain in life, okay, this is deep. My greatest pain in life is that I'll never be able to see myself perform live. <laughs> Pride or humility? Pride. Mm, okay. And last but not least, former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg. Oh, somebody knows him, okay said, if there is a God, when I get to heaven, okay, <laughs> oxymoron or whatever, <laughs> if there is a God, when I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I am heading right in. I have earned my place in heaven. It's not even close. Pride or, yeah, you don't even need me to ask the questions, do you? Well, from these illustrations and many that we run into uh, every day, newspaper, maybe just bumping into someone, a conversation, we realize that pride is um, pervasive in our society. And it's not getting better, it's getting worse. As the scripture says in later times, things will get worse in these regards. 
And so um, there's self-inflation, impatience, narcissism, entitlement. They seem to be everywhere. And sometimes, even in the church, even in people that we would consider the best of people. So I'm giving this message today hoping that uh, not only for myself, but for all of us that we'll be more grounded in humility. And the text that I would like to read from today is 1 Peter 5, the second part of verse 5 and verse 6. It says, All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Now, first, we're going to just break this down phrase by phrase. And the first phrase is all of you, which means, obviously, every one of us. And Peter, writing this, realized at this point in life that Jesus endeavored to teach him and all the other disciples the heart attitude of humility. Time and time again, for the three years that they spent together during their time with Jesus. One example, before the Passover feast, followed by Peter's denial of Christ, Jesus and his disciples, remember, rented a home, and they had this home set aside for a very special meal that they were going to share together. And so this was a, a secret meal. They weren't publicizing it. So they got to the house, and they walked in, and there was no slave at the entrance, which was typical in those days, to greet them and also to wash the dust and the soil off of their feet. And of course, not one of the disciples, as we read on, volunteered for this duty. And so during the meal, Jesus gets up among his followers and takes a basin filled with water in a towel and he goes around and he washes his followers' feet. A king lowering himself to the position of slave. This is humility. Humility is flexibility. And Peter had a problem with this, if you remember. And so Jesus said to Peter, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand, John 13, 7. And you see, this text in 1 Peter 5 is later, and Peter got it now. He got it so much that he wrote it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that he could teach us even today about humility. Again, what is humility? Humility is flexibility. Jesus bent over and washed the disciples' feet. He said, I have not come to be served, but to serve. Will we be so flexible as to wash one another's feet in whatever way God prompts us, leads us, guides us, speaks to us through the Scripture, in our own spirit, or through the fellowship of believers 
and the gifts that come to us. All of you. This subject is for all of us. Second phrase, Peter wrote, clothe yourselves with humility. Now, I don't know that they had a lot of clothes in that day, but basically what he's saying here is that we need to enter and re-enter our spiritual wardrobe to put on the clothes of humility, such as in our job, instead of complaining about our job, thanking God we have a job. Instead of rushing to get out of the grocery store and get our errands all done, we give our place in line to the person behind us. Thank you. (laughs) They've been to the store. (laughs) Instead of um, interrupting our spouse when they share something that's important to them, share their feelings with us, we stop and we listen and we ask questions and we give to them the understanding that they're looking for and not the answer we want to give to them. As a parent, instead of calling out to our children from a distance, we get up off the couch and we go to them when they need guidance and or correction. And we flex. We bend down and we talk to our child face to face, eye to eye. And we share with them whatever it is at that point that they need to hear. Humility is flexibility. And here's one that uh, is uh, maybe even more difficult. Instead of looking down on someone because of their faults or sins, we remember that our sins are no less serious before God. And concerning this, the Apostle Paul wrote, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. I looked at that scripture and thought, well, of course he means he used to be the worst, right? Because he was the one who persecuted Christians and incarcerated them and so forth. No. I am. Not I was. I am. People consider Paul oftentimes as, you know, pretty much the spiritual giant next to Jesus, if, if that's possible. And he said, I am the worst of sinners. Let me give you a uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of my spiritual heroes, a German theologian who was um, executed at the end of World War II for his um, Christian Um, confession and ministry. He wrote some tremendous things while he was um, jailed in Nazi Germany. And he said, if my sin appears smaller in comparison 
with the sin of others, then I am not yet recognizing my sin. My sin is of necessity the worst. How could I possibly serve other persons in unfeigned humility if their sins appear worse than my own? Do you see it? How could I serve someone who I believe sinned or even sinned against me if I don't lower myself, if I don't flex downward to the point where then I can serve them in this fashion? Humility is flexibility. Like Jesus, we lower ourselves to serve. Forbearing and forgiving faults and sins that we see in others. And then, as I just alluded to, we can get down to that level. We can get down to that level where we can get underneath and we can pray for divine insight to know how to minister and or how to pray for that person that we say has this fault or has this sin. God, help us all on this one. Because humility is relational in nature, Peter goes on and he says, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Toward one another. I love the story when Jesus and John the Baptist were, were baptizing at the same time, and some wanted to stir up controversy and relational conflict. And so they came to John saying, everyone's going to him. You started the baptism ministry. You're John the Baptist. He's not Jesus the Baptist. And so they tried to stir up division. But John's attitude of humility was absolutely amazing. He did not grasp after his own ministry. In John 3, 27, he said, A man can receive only what is given to him from heaven. A man can receive only what is given to him from heaven. Do you see any entitlement in that phrase or that statement? Totally against the grain of our world. And sometimes even us as Christians. A man can receive only what is given to him from heaven. And what we don't get from heaven we, we really shouldn't want. So humility is flexibility relationally. John the Baptist summed it up a few verses later when he said, he must become greater and I must become less. He must become greater. I must become less. Look around at your relationships and, and say, he must become greater. She must become greater. I must become less. He must become greater. She must become greater. I must become less. Jim Garrett was the senior pastor of Bel Air Christian Church, a small neighborhood church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And it was the church where my pastoral ministry began in 1973. And um, 
excuse me, 1976. I was 23 years old, and he had been leading the church for 22 years. Well, late at night, the day before my dream of pastoral ministry was to begin, uh, Bev and I were so excited. Uh, and it was like a rookie being called up to play, you know, in the first game at Royal Stadium. You know what I mean? Well, maybe three years ago, not now. Uh, <laughs> I'm praying for their faults and sins, okay? Just teasing. Um, I still watch them. I still love them, okay? Um, so I was, I was so excited. And, and Bev was excited for me, so we got in the car late the night before. And we drove from our apartment in southern Tulsa, uh, a little bit further north, about uh, four miles to the church. And we drove past the church just to see the church building. I mean, it, it sounds crazy now, doesn't it? But um, as we drove by the church, we noticed that there was a car in the parking lot. And so we thought, well, you know, maybe we should drive in there. And then we saw there were lights on in the building so then we really felt more freedom to drive into the parking lot. And then we opened the door. We were just getting, you know, more excited at the, as the moments went on. And uh, then we heard some noises. And they were loud noises. And it was like, ooh, what's going on here? I don't know. So uh, I opened the door to the church building. It was unlocked. And we walked down the hall um, to a couple of rooms or so. And... There we found Jim Garrett, senior pastor, hammering up, paneling, and finishing all the touches to my new office. The 22-year veteran serving the 23-year-old rookie. Late at night after a long day at work. That's the moment we were introduced to the man that I still to this day say, is the most humble man I've ever met. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Paul wrote, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. That's the way he treated me. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. He was always looking after my interest. Humility is flexibility. Downward to serve others. Now, at any point in time, if we adopt an attitude of pride from one situation to another, uh, or some great, big, and even dramatic situation, as was the case with Pharaoh, Peter says, God opposes the proud. That's the next phrase here. God opposes the proud. And this was dramatic in the case of Pharaoh when God said, let my people go. Pharaoh wanted to keep the Israelites under his thumb, under his control. They had controlled the Israelites for 400 years. He didn't want to clothe himself in humility and let them go. He didn't want to obey God. And so he didn't clothe himself in humility. And so God did it for him. And so he clothed him with gnats and flies and frogs, and boils. Now that's a dramatic illustration, but I think it, 
is something that we all must consider because there's something going on when we are prideful versus humble. And I think it's best represented especially of Pharaoh when, uh, uh, by a quote from John Ortberg, who said, the biggest difference between God and you is he doesn't think he's you. See, Pharaoh played God. That's, that's where we really get into trouble with pride. We play God. We want control. We prioritize ourselves. We cling to selfishness. Flexibility is not an easy lesson to learn. If you look back at the Old Testament again, uh, this time with Moses, remember how he was considered the most humble man on the face of the earth. And yet, look what happened in the desert after he did lead the Israelites out of Egypt. He went through lesson after lesson. Let's just take one uh, situation. Uh, they came to Rephidim in Acts chapter 17, and God said, you see, your people are without water. I want you to go and strike this rock, and a miracle will happen. It will produce water for all the community to drink. He did so. That was... Uh, the staff that he hit that rock was the staff with which he had already done two miracles at least. One was the striking of the Nile in re relative to Pharaoh, right? And the other was the Red Sea. So Pharaoh, I mean, uh, Moses was on a roll here. This was the third time. He was third time snapping the staff. Well, then they go on, Numbers chapter 20, and again the Israelites lacked water. And God says, I want you to take your staff, but this time... I want you to speak to a rock and another miracle will occur and water will come out for the community and they will drink. But Moses was on a roll with his staff. And so he didn't speak to the rock. He struck the rock and he struck it not only once, but he struck it twice. It did produce water for the community. However, he disobeyed. And as a result, he wasn't allowed to enter the promised land. There's a huge cost to pride. Sometimes we don't even understand the depth of that cost until a later point. But what a cost for Moses. See, Moses relied on the way things were. The staff had really been working well. Why switch up something that didn't seem to be broken? Because God told him to change up. God told him to be flexible. God told him, you can take the staff, but don't use the staff. See, God was more interested in the heart of Moses than he was the ministry of Moses. Having been in so many ministry situations over 40 plus years this is something that really hits me God is more interested in developing my heart than he is in developing my ministry because if my heart is not right there is no ministry <laughs> Peter goes on he says God gives grace to the humble. 
God rewards those who remain open to learning and growing and not thinking that, oh, I have it figured out. Oh, I know what to do. If this comes up, I got it. Consider Apollos in Acts chapter 18, one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts. Uh, I'm going to read uh, four verses to you. It says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus, and he was a learned man with thorough knowledge of the Scriptures, instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more accurately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, that is Greece, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. And on arriving, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. He vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Now, get the picture here. Apollos was tremendously qualified. The University of Alexandria was located in his hometown, which he probably attended, for we see here it says he was a learned man. He also had a thorough knowledge of Scripture. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. He was a great communicator. He was eloquent, and he taught about Jesus accurately. What else did he need? He needed two blue-collar tent makers to come along and hear him speak and then pull him aside and invest in him so that his understanding would be even greater and he could go on and have even more effective ministry. And that was Priscilla and Aquila. And Apollos learned from these two seemingly uneducated Christians. And because of his flexibility, Apollos went on to refute the Jews in public debate, proving that Jesus was the Christ from Scripture. See, God gives grace to the humble. He humbled himself before these two people. I don't even know if he knew who they were. But he received in a humble fashion. Despite all his credentials, he could be instructed by anyone. Humility is flexibility. A lot of people like that will only receive from those, you know, on their level. They had this kind of training or this kind of education or whatever. So finally, we come to the command in 1 Peter 5, 6, which says, okay, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. To be candid, uh, humility is not my number one virtue, and most of the time I find it completely absent. As I was putting this message together, I recalled one incident where I did a little better than usual. Let's just put it that way. Um, Bev and I were in the first year of planting uh, LCF, and um, we were running out of money quite quickly because we didn't have hardly any to start with, and we only had four people in the church. So um, I was really tempted to walk out. It would have been so easy just to give up and to move out from underneath God's mighty hand. God called me very specifically to do this 
a church plant. But when things got rough, there was a temptation to move out from God's mighty hand. And I'll control it now. I'll do things myself. I'll figure that out because I don't like the way it is right now under your hand. So then one night, I I remember it so vividly. I was sitting in the living room uh, watching our black and white TV. And uh, a Christian organization aired a TV ad about children in Africa dying from famine. Now, I'll admit to you, I, I am not a crier. I am not a, you know, real emotional, you know, um, I tear up every four years um, kind of person. But um, something happened. I mean, I was watching this, you know, soliciting funds for these children that were dying in Africa. And although normally I wouldn't have anything happening inside of me by that, it just struck me deeply. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, give them the rest of your money. So I called to Bev, and um, I said, how much money do we have left? And she said, $28. It didn't take long for her to respond because there wasn't much to count. And I explained to her what I experienced And we wrote the check and emptied our finances and mailed it for these children. Now, the primary question was not how much money is left in our account. The primary question was, will I stay under the hand of God and let him have complete jurisdiction, complete guidance, complete leadership, complete control, complete lordship, over my life. And that was painful. Humility is flexibility. Will we stay, will we flex ourselves so that we don't run off and we'll flex back under his hand and keep running back to his hand and letting his hand control us? Well, the end result of humility in our text from Peter is this, that he may lift you up in due time. I always love how God brings us around to, you know, like in the Psalms and and, in so many different places in Scripture, and and you see the end, and uh, you see the promise. He will lift us up in due time. In, In our situation that I just shared We never had a bill go unpaid. We never had a bill go late. And as we, you know, not easily, because I can be really stubborn, but as we kept going back and and I stayed under God's mighty hand, God saved hundreds of people and gave us It gave me, a spiritual father, the opportunity to minister to thousands of people over the decades. God will raise us up in due time. As a spiritual father of LCF, I um, got news recently, speaking of spiritual father, of my spiritual father 
back in Pennsylvania, uh, died just uh, recently, age 91. He prayed for me to become a Christian. He saw me, I lived in the same neighborhood, and he saw me running around um, in my, I, I called myself, I don't know, what did I call myself the other day? And you said, no, you really were a hippie. Yeah, I'm talking to my wife, sorry. Kind <laughs> uh, of have a private conversation. Uh, <laughs> don't tell anybody I said that, okay? So anyway, so I was a hippie, all right, she says, I, I really was. And um, so he saw me running around doing various things, and um, he prayed for me, and his son prayed for me. And they told me about Jesus, and I was, uh, well, I'm going to go there. And then he mentored me spiritually. Well, at his funeral and, and at the gravesite, while his wife, age 89, was leaving the gra gravesite, she noticed a young man over near the spot, the site where her husband's body would be laid to rest. But before she left that area of the grave, she was getting into her car and she looked over and she saw a young man standing over there where they had dug the hole. And she said to her oldest son, take this gospel track to that young man over there. I, I don't know that he's really a Christian. She handed it to her son. He went over. He gave this young man the gospel track right there by the burial site. And he shared Jesus with him, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. A grieving widow was used by God at her husband's gravesite to reach a young man with eternal life. Humility is flexibility. Like our humble God, who lowered himself to earth, from heaven to earth, humility's low vantage point, low vantage point, sees opportunities to serve that the high position of pride overlooks. like to have the worship team come up. And they're going to play for two or three minutes just as we reflect on what we've heard today. I'd like to ask you this question. And then after we have a time of reflection, um, Aaron and Kelsey will lead us in a, a closing song. Where and with whom do you need to put on more clothes of humility? It's that simple. In what context and with whom do you need to humble yourself even more? Would you pray now and, and just listen to the Holy Spirit and let him talk to you. He wants to share with you. He wants us to grow. He wants us to listen. He wants us to be more like him. He knew how to flex downward. Let's pray quietly and listen to the Holy Spirit. <laughs>